real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your free copy of my first two books, Frugalpreneur and Authorpreneur, by going to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash free. Now on to the show. to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I am your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is a serial entrepreneur, podcaster, and speaker. She co-founded MommyIncome.com and co-hosts a weekly podcast titled The Amazon Files. Welcome, Kristen Ostrander. Hi, thanks for having me, Sarah. I hope I pronounced your last name right. <laughs> Ostrander, kind of like O'Malley, but without okay. a little comma. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started with selling on Amazon? Certainly. So back in the college days, I actually went to school. I got a full scholarship to go to college. And after two years, I was sort of kicked out of school because I could not declare a major. I ended up getting married and having a baby. And then they said, you cannot come back and take any more classes until you, you know, declare a major and figure out what direction you want to go in. And what I didn't know was, you know, there wasn't anything out there that was burning that I really wanted to do. I I was waitressing. I had a a little one at home and still trying to take some college classes. And then I just, someone, told me to discover eBay. I used to buy things on eBay to sell, make ends meet, you know, be frugal, things like that. In Michigan, there's not yard sales like year round. So I would try to buy some clothes for my kids and things like that. And then someone said, you should try selling. And so I ended up trying to sell one of my daughter's really foo-foo fancy Easter dresses that they literally wear for two hours and then they're done. And then at my first sale, I was hooked and I started on eBay and sold there for quite a while, still do to this day, but moved in more to Amazon in about 2008 when I realized that it could be potentially faster and a bigger platform than eBay. Wow. So what are the differences between selling on eBay and Amazon? I guess because eBay, you can sell pre-owned, pre-used stuff, whereas maybe Amazon, you can't, I assume. Yeah, that's very similar. You can still sell some used items on Amazon, but it's definitely more geared towards a brand new items that you would want to sell there. So that's the fundamental difference. Listing and shipping items is, is the processes are completely different. And so are so is the customer base. So on eBay, you've got a lot of your thrifters, people are looking for a really good deal. People are looking for antique type items, one of a kind items, used items, of course, you know, just trying to really find a good deal on things that are hard to find to where Amazon is much more of a giant online store, you know, that you don't have to go to Walmart to buy things, you can pretty much buy anything at any time, even from patio furniture to HDMI cords, right, right from, you know, our phones, it's like the number one app everyone has, right, is is Amazon. So it's just a bigger, wider, more global platform. And yes, definitely geared toward brand new items. Yeah, I've thought about doing eBay or Amazon haven't yet. But so I'm curious to learn more about it, because there's so much terminology, like Amazon FBA, and then there's merch by Amazon, 
on and it just gets kind of confusing what the difference is between everything and what it entails and involves. For sure. Amazon has a ton of different business models. So first they have a merch like merch by Amazon is more like a print on demand. So creating t-shirts and sweatshirts, tank tops, things like whatever Amazon actually offers. You create your own graphics, your own artwork, things like that. And then they print it on demand to ship to your customers. So say you wanted a, the first thing I actually have a merch account and I've sold on merch before. I have a couple of designs that kind of sit there and are evergreen, but I haven't spent a lot of time making money on merch. But like if you wanted to create a family reunion t-shirt and like 50 people in your family are going to wear it, you know, go to the zoo or whatever that is, you know, people do that. You know, you could create a very inexpensive shirt on Amazon and lead all your family to go buy it from this link. No one's really making a profit necessarily, but like you can get that design shirt that you don't have to go to a local print shop. Everyone can get it shipped to their own house. It's really kind of cool. And of course, people make money doing that, you know, designing shirts. It's a hands-off, no inventory holding kind of business. Very, very competitive. And you have to be very careful of copyright things like that. But I mean, that's like merch, for example. And then FBA is what I do. So FBA is fulfillment by Amazon. In a typical way that you would do that is order wholesale goods. Say you have a brick and mortar, maybe you want to sell on Amazon and your store. You just, you ship your products into Amazon all at once in big giant moving boxes kind of thing. They give you a label that you stick on it and then you send it to their warehouse. And then they distribute it using Amazon Prime to your customers. So you don't have to fulfill individual orders. You warehouse and ship it from Amazon. So they fulfill your orders, which makes it so amazing. Because I personally couldn't ship three to 400 orders a day, but Amazon has that capability. So using their fulfillment by Amazon program really helps you to move product faster into more people. Okay. So I guess that's one way it differs from eBay as well. Because with eBay, I assume you have to fulfill your own orders. Absolutely. Yes. Everything that you sell, would ha- they don't have a program where you can fulfill orders through eBay. They don't have a warehousing system like that. So yeah, those are individual orders. You'd have to kind of be present to be able to take that item and ship it in. So Amazon FBA is very enticing to people who may not want to hold orders or hold inventory at their homes or their stores or wherever or run a warehouse. I don't have any of that. I'm able to, I'm kind of hands off my inventory because I use a prep facility that prepares my items then to ship to Amazon. So that's sort of like a middleman, if you will if you want to prep it all yourself. We started that way for years and years. And then the prep center takes our items, ships them to Amazon, then Amazon ships them to customers when they order. And so you don't have to, I don't have stockpiles of things behind me waiting for customers to purchase. So then how does the prep center work? Do you order a bunch of stuff wholesale and then have it shipped to the prep center and then they then ship to Amazon? Is that how that works? Yeah, that's that's exactly how it works. So, so my personal business model that I created is the wholesale bundle system. And so it's a way to differentiate yourself on Amazon from your competitors. So we build things like a bundle is considered things that are highly complementary that you purchase together. So you think of things like, you know, maybe a newborn baby gift set. So say you're going to a, a baby shower and you just want to buy something on Amazon and be able to take it with you, the whole kit and caboodle. So you've got someone who, someone like us, you know, creates a bundle for you where you've got all the different things in inside the bundle. And then you even can include like a gift bag and tissue paper. So all you have to do, Sarah, is just order this complete gift set, put it in the bag, go to the shower, all, all as well. No shopping, no anything like that. And so you buy your items from wholesale sources and you bundle it together for the customer. And then 
you ship that particular product into Amazon and then Amazon ships it to your customer. What the prep center does is yes, we order our, our stuff wholesale and we let them know what goes in each gift set or box or bundle. And then they bundle it together for us and ship it to Amazon. And it goes like that. So it eliminates the need to house, store and prepare your own inventory. That's awesome. I didn't even know there was such a thing. So I guess that's how you stand out on Amazon is because you're kind of curating your own bundles, like you said, versus just people buying stuff individually or whatever. It's almost like you're creating something in a way. Yeah. In the Amazon world, they say that private label products are like the top of the food chain right? Like something that you can create or invent that's new, that's different from everyone else's. You have your own brand, you have your own labels, um, things like that. And so I considered wholesale bundles as, as like poor man's private label because private labeling is very expensive and it takes a really long time to, whether you're ordering internationally or you're ordering from, you know, stateside, it's still a very expensive process to be able to create something, put your own spin on it, get all of the things that you need to do to create and build a brand new item to bring to the marketplace to where bundles has the same kind of protection as far as competition because you've got your own spin on something, but you're using products that are already existent. So you can kind of skip the long, expensive part of private labeling and jump right into the wholesaling and bundling in a way that just sets you apart from your competition. So it's really to get your foot in the door a little bit faster with a lot less investment, you know, just the the less expensive way and to, to try it out and see how it works for you. And we've had many, many people, you know, be intimidated by selling wholesale because they think, oh, I'm, I, you know, I don't have a real store. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't have tens of thousands of dollars to buy from you know, all these companies when really you can start buying wholesale for $300 or less from many, many companies. And so it, it really makes it an inexpensive way to test the market to see if your customers like the product, if you like selling, you know, all these different things. So um, I really love it for that reason, because it, it's a low point of entry to try and, and start the business. Yeah. And I'm all about finding ways to start a business on a tight budget. So how does it compare to drop shipping? I actually have, I have several businesses, one of which is a drop shipping business, but like, what would the difference be between that and FBA? Like what you're doing? Well, the number one thing is that drop shipping is extremely against Amazon's terms of service. If you don't have the inventory on hand. So what they they expect from their sellers is that you have inventory on hand and available and that you have to provide all of the different things that Amazon requires as far as if you're, you know, fulfilling items yourself that's fulfilled by merchant or FBM, merchant fulfill, seller fulfilled if you will, they will call that they call it different things. And so with drop shipping on Amazon, you, you it's it's considered black hat because you're really supposed to have the inventory on hand and available to ship. And there's been a lot of problems with people, you know, having orders that they're supposed to drop ship and then the company they're drop shipping from is out of stock. And then there's, you know, you've kind of got to backpedal with your Amazon customers to where they they really value their customers and they put them first. And so drop shipping is a little bit scary. So I'm not sure exactly how that translates because I personally have never done a drop shipping to the point where it, like you might be doing as far as you, you might have like a Shopify store where you set up. And then when someone orders from you, you order from your supplier and have it shipped to them. So I understand the concept, but um, I've never personally done that mostly because I'm Amazon and I know that it's kind of against their terms of service. But what it really helps you do when you're selling on Amazon and how it might differ from drop shipping is that they have, you know, you have the inventory on hand. They basically, for their fee that, that they charge you to sell on their platform, they, they take care of everything from customer service to shipping to warehousing and storage, things like that to where, you know, you can really not have to, you don't have, I don't have to deal with customers on a day to day basis. I can have two to 300 orders in a day and not really even know it because Amazon handles everything else. 
else. And I don't have to do anything when those orders come in because I do all the work up front to create the product, to bundle it together, package it. And then once it hits Amazon's warehouse, I don't really have to do much after that. So it's really helpful to be able to have a little bit more time or location freedom, if you will, because even my mom and I are business partners. She's 50-50 with me in my Amazon store. And she, you know, snowbirds to Florida in the wintertime. She likes to go to Florida. And so all she needs is a laptop to be able to do her job and she can leave here from Michigan and go there and still do everything she needs to do without worrying about what location. As long as you've got, you know, strong internet signal or Wi-Fi, you're good to go. Well, this is really fascinating. So I have so many questions. So you could do retail arbitrage as well, right? And I guess, can you explain that? As, as far as I understand it, that's like where you could go to Target or wherever and buy something in person physically that's just drastically marked down and then as long as it's new, which it would be if it's Target, but anyway, and then sell it, basically flip it, so to speak, on Amazon for maybe retail price or whatever. Would that work with the fulfillment by Amazon? Yes. As a matter of fact, I got my start doing retail arbitrage. I started with used books first because that was, you know, back in 2008 when I started on Amazon, that was really their bread and butter was doing books. And so I started with used books and graduated to retail arbitrage, which for probably five straight years, I did retail arbitrage where we were going from store to store and purchasing things off the shelf, like places like Target, Big Lots, um, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, all the different stores and literally just using our Amazon seller app and scanning app. We use actually a, a software program called Inventory Lab where you, you know, gives you some data when you scan the barcode and it shows kind of what the Amazon price is, what your fee would be to sell it and how much you would profit if you sold that item. So of course, looking for things like clearance and things that, you know, you're filling in the gaps for customers who you might have something locally, but they can't find it where they are and they want to shop on Amazon anyhow. So you're just, you're, what you do is you gather all those things, you put the labels on them as Amazon has explained, you do prep your items for Amazon warehouse and you ship them in to FBA. And then, you know, it's the same process. It's just, we use wholesale bundles and there's a main reason why. So retail arbitrage is alive and well, and many, many people still do it, which, and I've done it before too, so I'm very well-versed in retail arbitrage, but I moved my business into wholesale because of several different reasons. It's very risky to do retail arbitrage because of the, the chain of custody of the item, the chain of supply, if you will. So Amazon's very particular about the authenticity of items. And so say you bought a Michael Kors bag from Marshalls and it's still authentic. Of course, you know, it's authentic because you bought it from a real store and it's fine. But what happens is you send the Michael Kors purse and your customer gets it. And for some reason, they decide that it's not a real Michael Kors purse. And they say, this is not authentic. This looks like a fake. And then Amazon suspends your account because your item isn't authentic. And you say, but I bought it at Marshall's. Here's my receipt. And they say, I'm sorry, these UPC codes do not match. They're not the same as this actual thing. And then you get into intellectual property right issues. You get into inauthentic claims. And if you have several of those on your account, Amazon will suspend your account indefinitely and you won't be able to sell again. The problem is replenishing the items over and over. So you could go to a Target, pick up all these retail arbitrage items and send them in and say they do really well. But then you can't go back and buy the same things because you bought them on clearance. So it creates this hamster wheel of work that you constantly have to do. It's a good little side hustle to get started on Amazon, I think. But once you decide you like Amazon and you like the, the turnover and you like the process of doing it, the faster you can get into wholesale, the better because it's a long-term 
plan on Amazon rather than just kind of trying to make a quick dollar. The other retail arbitrage problem is competition. It's like the race to the bottom. Who can make the least amount of money? Because if you got this on clearance at Target, so did 500 other of your seller friends. And pretty soon that thing that you were going to make 12 bucks on, all of a sudden you're making, you know, 26 cents because everybody's coming in and now they're lowering the price because you got to get the buy box in order to get the sale. And, you know, I'd rather not do that. I'd rather keep all the pennies in my pocket. And so that's why we like to create our own products with bundling so that we don't have that race to the bottom competition problem. Yeah, that's a good way to break that down. Now I'm not interested in retail arbitrage. I think I'll go straight to wholesaling. So as far as the wholesaling, are there certain suppliers that you use and recommend or distributors? I'm not sure what the right phrase is for that. Both phrases are correct. Suppliers, distributors, dealers, vendors, all words that you can use for wholesale suppliers. I use them all interchangeably. So some people, depending on what they call them. But um, there is that we we just did a podcast episode on the Amazon files about that specifically. It's how to start wholesale for $300 or less. And within that, there's a download mommyincome.com slash vendors. And there's a list of five vendors you could start with right now that all have lower than $300 minimums that you could start selling their products on Amazon right away. So that's part of like starting the process. And we do have vendors we recommend, but there's also, you know, tons of resources where we have a video, it's called trade show stocking. Because a lot of these, you know, stores, they send representatives to these trade shows every year to pick the products that you see on shelves at like Target or other places. Even like Chip and Joanna Gaines, they go to like the trade shows in Dallas and Atlanta every year to buy the products that they're putting in people's houses. So, you know, it's just like going there to the trade show. But if, you know, you're feeling like you don't want to go to trade shows to try to find, you know, wholesale suppliers, we, we call it trade show stocking, where you can actually find all of the vendors that sell all of the things that you're interested in by stocking like the, the trade show websites. And we have a video about that to mommyincome.com slash 100. And that's just a free video that shows you how to trade show stocks so that you can start finding suppliers to buy from to sell in your Amazon store. Oh, wow. Those are great resources. I'm going to have to check those out myself. For people who don't understand what the phrase wholesale means, can you explain that a little bit? I suppose I should have started with that. But I just assume everyone knows what that means, but maybe they don't. Certainly. So it's buying direct from the either the manufacturer or the distributor of the product. So big, huge companies, let's say like Kraft Foods, for example, or Nestle, and you wanted to buy like some grocery items, you know, wholesale, they work through distributors. So you don't really buy direct from their factory, you actually work through their distributors where they distribute all kinds of different things. And you would contact the distributor and, you know, place orders and things like that. So that's the same for anything else, whether you see, you know, books on a shelf, or you see baby blankets, there's, you know, just suppliers that they have, and you're buying them direct from either a factory or a distributor, which then it buying in bulk, you have to, you know, you get a discounted price, but you have to be a legitimate business. So that's the biggest thing is that they don't want to sell directly to customers. They sell business to business only. So you'll need a reseller's license or a sales tax ID, any, any of those things that you're a legitimate business in your, and it varies from state to state. Here in Michigan, it's called a sales and use tax license. And I think in Dallas, it's reseller certificate or something like that. So the people have these different things you file for them. You have your legitimate business name, and then usually they're open to working with you. Some of them like to require a brick and mortar store, but more and more are loosening the reins on that because they want to support their online retailers as well. Can you explain the different fees? Like there's the Amazon fee. I imagine there's a fee for 
fulfillment, the prep center, and then, you know, a license like you're talking about, a reseller's license and all that kind of stuff. What is kind of the breakdown of these different fees? So an Amazon is based on a percentage of fees. They have some, they don't really have a whole lot of fixed fees where it's just a blanket amount. It's usually based on size and weight. And the, the but the overall average for, for being on Amazon for as long as I have, I do averages every year and it averages about a 30% fee. So if you're, and that's a, like your sale price is, you know, if your sale price is $30 for your bundle, then Amazon takes $10, you paid $10 for the bundle and you keep $10. So it's like this kind of a hundred percent, you know, money back. You, you have to factor in like a 30% fee for just all around the fees that they charge. And that would include, you know, your inbound shipping, which you get a huge discount on when you're sending these big boxes full of say 30 or 40 items or whatever it is, you get a rate lower than you would if you tried to go to like the UPS store and send something. So the rate is, it depends on what you sell can be, you know, anywhere like 25 cents a pound. So it's really pretty inexpensive to send inventory into Amazon. All the fees overall, just, I would make an assumption that your overall fees will be around 30% of your sale price, just as kind of a rule of thumb when it comes to that. But that covers the fulfillment, covers, you know, your inbound shipping, you have to pay for that. The way it's broken down and the accounting is a little bit different, but overall that's that's a really good estimate of about how much you think you might pay for all of your fees wrapped up in one. Prep center, that varies as well. There's hundreds, I think, of prep centers across the nation and even internationally. And they're all prices vary depending on single unit items, how much prep your item needs. We use a facility here in Michigan called myprepcenter.com and they treat us very, very well there. They have really reasonable prices that don't have a whole lot of extravagant, if this, then this kind of fees are kind of straightforward. Hey, this is what a bundle costs. This is what a single unit costs. And then they're just really amazing people to work with. So we, we prefer that, but there are many, many centers across the country that have various fees for that. So always factoring that in when you're considering purchasing an item for sale as like, hey, if it costs, you know, $1.50 to for the prep center to prep this item, I need to factor that into my cost plus the, you know, round about 30% Amazon fee. That's just my like blanket number. Every time I'm looking at that, I calculate it. And, you know, factoring that into your wholesale purchase price, you can see, you know, utilizing all the different discounts as well with wholesalers. You know, they usually have freight discounts. If you order a certain volume, you get 10% off. And so always trying to utilize that once your business grows. Do you have a resource on your website as far as a listing of prep centers? I do have a blog post about that, I think, okay. too, on the website where um, people can go and look up, you know, Amazon Prep Center is what I would look up. And there's probably a list of 10 to 15 different ones. I think the misnomer with that is that people think they have to choose a facility that's close to them, when really you want to choose a facility that's closely to where all your wholesalers ship from. So a lot of my wholesale vendors come from the West Coast. And so it would probably be more advantageous for me to pick a prep center on the West Coast because I wouldn't pay as much inbound shipping from them if they're just, you know, kind of going a few hundred miles as opposed to going all the way across the country for that. Uh, I chose our prep center mainly because they're bundle focused and I actually helped them start out their prep center. Um, they, that was their first guinea pig and their first client. And they wanted to do bundles and do them well and do them affordably, which I was all for. And so I helped them and that they've been my main source of that as well. But picking a prep center really has to do with your preferences. And if you're on the frugal side, you want to pick a prep center that's closest to some of your suppliers because you're going to save money on shipping as well as it might balance out in the long run as far as their fees that they charge. So do you recommend wholesalers in the United States 
States or I mean, I guess whatever country you might be in. Because the problem with drop shipping is so many of the items come from China. You can have such a big profit margin because it's so affordable, but it takes weeks for people to get their stuff. So do you use any overseas wholesalers or pretty much all United States? I, I have a really good mix. I do import from China. I, I actually make some of my own items from China, my own private label items. They just go inside my bundles just to set me apart from competition. I have a couple of things that are custom made for specific bundles and they're inexpensive to import from China and some other places, India and, and Germany has some other you know things. So either one, I would say whatever is most comfortable, but I have a really good mix. A lot of my vendors are US based and and it's pretty quick. But they, a lot of those companies also have their products made in China. So lead times can be an issue if they run out of product or, you know, before big holidays or things like that, you know, you want to order early for those things. But it can be a good mix of both. And I've had positive experiences both internationally and stateside. And when you're starting an Amazon FBA account, do you recommend having a niche and, and then a store within Amazon or does it not really matter as much when you're doing that and you could do several different types of bundles? Oh, for sure. I like eventually people to specialize. And the reason why I say that and have a niche is because you don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time. You can know your niche and you can keep feeding the beast when it comes to that. You don't have to do all of the research over and over again when it comes to that. But at first, you know, someone's doing something like retail arbitrage to get their feet wet. You know, I used to say any people would say, what do you sell it? Anything that makes a profit, you know, it didn't matter if it was I mean, I've sold everything from like, you know, depends underwear to like car parts to baby products, you know, when you're doing, you know, something like arbitrage, you're just scanning products and trying to find the data to match up to where wholesale bundling is a different ballgame, because you're really trying to meet a need for a customer and make it convenient and easy for them to purchase from you. And so when you do that, you're thinking more and more about the customer and their needs and their, you know, problems that you're solving with your particular bundle, but starting out several different, you know, niches to try to figure out what you know about. I encourage people to start with something they're familiar with. Like don't go to the toy aisle and expect to try to sell a bunch of toys or a toy wholesaler if you don't have any kids around and you really don't know what's popular. I mean, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I encourage people to kind of find their own niche that they can specialize in at the beginning, you know, just to start out somewhere. And you might venture in, I've ventured into many, many things over time, but starting with what you're familiar with really helps you pick products that you know will sell based on data, but also based on a little bit more personal experience. And then how do people find your items on Amazon? Because it seems like there wouldn't be much control over, I mean, I guess you could probably do ads, but other than that, how do people find your specific product? Just good description, I guess. So so the big deal on Amazon is optimizing your listing for search. So when I'm encouraging people to pick products, I, I encourage people to pick products to start out with that the, the attributes sell the item. So it's not necessarily a big brand focus. A lot of people think if you don't have some big brand name that you're selling, no one will find your product, no one will buy it, you know, things like that, which simply isn't true. We all every single day buy products that have no brand on them. Like, you know, tarps and bungee cords is one of my favorite things to reference when it comes to this, because I'm sure we all have a tarp and a bungee cord at some point somewhere. But what's the brand of it? Like no one cares. It's just like, this is what I need. And this is what I need to do with this. And you know, we're not really looking at the top name brands of things like that. You know, of course, if you're looking at tennis shoes, everyone wants, you know, we've got Nikes, we've got Adidas, we've got all these different brands. And those are things that that can 
tend to matter when it comes to those things. So choosing products based on their attributes rather than the actual brand names, I think is really helpful. But what people find is it the same way you would find a product. So you're, you know, what's the last thing that you purchased on Amazon? And what did you type into the search box? That's usually how people every other person in the world say, Hey, I'm looking for something else. You open Amazon and you type that in your app. And you expect this list of products to come up that you can scroll through to, to get your listing found. Yes, people have ads. And of course, ads are everywhere on every platform. But the best way to really reach your customers is to have a really good solid number one image, we shop with our eyes first, and then a really good title that has the main attributes of your item. You know, if you're looking to buy a red t-shirt, you're going to look for, you know, red t- women's red t-shirt size large. Like that's what I would be looking for. And so that's what I would type into Amazon. And so your customers are doing the same thing. I think a lot of people try to overcomplicate that or maybe overthink it a bit when really it's quite simple. I'm looking for X, Y, Z, and you want to make sure your title and your listing basically answers the who, what, when, where, why, and how. What is it? How is it? What size is it? What material is it made of? What is it? You know, what? how is it serving the need of the customer. And then I imagine you get reviews as well. And that kind of probably helps with the algorithm as well. I have some top selling products that don't have any reviews on them at all. Reviews help, of course. But when you go fishing for them on Amazon, what you find is like if people are reviewers and they like to leave reviews, they are going to leave reviews. If you go asking for them, you're going to get about 50-50 positive and negative. So fishing isn't always the best way for reviews. I think natural organic reviews are better when people just decide to leave them. I They, they definitely help in the algorithm. They boost your item up towards the top of the search page when you have more positive reviews. But it also, you know, it's also about supply and demand. You know, if you're selling something that not a lot of product offerings are for that, you're going to end up on the first page anyway. So just keeping your listings in mind and keeping in mind that I like to go after niches that are just have less demand as far as product product is a less supply as far as product is concerned. They have a little bit of demand, but like the other people aren't selling as many of those products in that category, which is kind of a match made in heaven. We have supply tools in our framework that helps people kind of decide what to move forward to sell in order to land in what I consider that sweet spot. So you're not like trying to sell the top 100 products on Amazon. I mean, that's reserved for like people with super deep pockets and they're, they're playing the volume game to where we play the margin game instead, um, to where we'd rather, you know, make five to eight dollars $10 to $12 per item that we're selling rather than sell 5,000 units at 15 cents. So with Amazon, I guess you don't get access to your customer data, do you? Like their name and email so that you can then market to them in the future. I guess that's one of the main downsides. That would be the main downside if you owned a particular brand and you were really trying to build up your brand presence. There are some I would say tricky ways to kind of do that. Amazon doesn't like you to put advertising materials within your packaging either. Like if it's actually printed on the package, of course, like if you picked up any package from somewhere, it'll say distributed by such and such. There are websites on there, of course, like you can print it on the actual packaging if you're manufacturing your packaging, but they don't want you to stick in a little note card that says, hey, for future purchases, come to our.com and save 10%. Like that is an absolute no on Amazon. They don't want you to lead their customers to your product. Now, some people are savvy enough to say, hey, this coffee I bought on Amazon, they have their own website and maybe it's cheaper over there and, you know, it can go and do that. So it does definitely give you brand awareness, but it's kind of a no-no to try to advertise them to come off of Amazon and buy from your website. I say with anybody with their own product, if you're not on Amazon, you're losing a lot of customers. Even if you want to build your own website and web presence and your goal is to have people come to maybe your Shopify store directly, say, I know a lady that makes her own candles and halfway through the year, 
sure she can't send them to FBA because they only take meltables from October and through May in specific warehouses. So you're not allowed to sell meltables during the summer and things, which makes sense. No one wants a melted candle to, to end up at their door. But her main goal was to really build up her presence on Amazon so that people would understand her brand, know it, and then maybe shop direct from her. So she still has like a good at least 50% of her sales come from Amazon and the rest is her own store. So I would highly recommend anyone having that has their own personal product, even if it's a handmade thing or a custom thing to have an Amazon presence, because there's a huge percentage of people that the first place that they look for any brand is Amazon before they just go Googling it. So when would you recommend if someone started out on Amazon, then for them to also open their own Shopify store? Would that really only make sense if you're starting a brand versus just like what you're talking about bundles and whatnot? Absolutely. I think if you're trying to build a brand, then that would make sense. But as of for myself, I have a Shopify store only because, and I can tell you how long I've had it and how many sales I've had. I built my Shopify store because one of my vendors said, you can't just sell our products on Amazon. You have to offer them at more than one you know, dot com. And I was like, well, I don't have a dot com, but I'll get back to you. And so very quickly, we built the Shopify store basically around the same product. And we integrated our Amazon store into our Shopify store. So basically, if you came to my Shopify store, it would lead you right to Amazon, the order goes to Amazon, and they fulfill it. So I wouldn't even have to worry about those. Like, I would still have to do some, it's almost like drop shipping, like you do, like I'd have to send the email and type in the address to Amazon, and then they'd send the product. But I've, I've had that open for I think four years now, and I've had zero sales. So no one comes to my Shopify store to buy things. Everything's sold on Amazon, even though that has a presence and it's there. So I have it for those purposes to be able to show my vendors. I do have an open cart, you know, website that I use and operate and it's up to date, but it's nothing fancy and nothing special because it just, it's not worth the energy. I get all the sales from Amazon and also don't have to fulfill any products. If I've got a Shopify store, then I'm the one that's going to have to either fulfill the products or if I send them to Amazon and they have them, I just send an email or I do the fulfillment, the multi-channel fulfillment form on Amazon. And then Amazon ships that to my Shopify customer. So you can still do it that way and have both, but I haven't seen the advantage so far. Yeah. And I would imagine unless you're starting a brand, like a private label, it probably doesn't make sense to do both, like have your own store, because then you're having to market that website and all that stuff. Whereas if you just have your stuff on Amazon, they're basically doing the work for you in a way, I guess. They really are. And I think that's something that's such a, you know, such a shocker. I remember years ago, my husband and I were purchasing from this guy that was down the road that he had this like wholesale store that he had this big warehouse and they were selling on eBay, but he opened it up to the public for a, a time. And he had this huge warehouse. He was buying liquidations and, you know, different things, store buyouts and things. And we would go in there and we would literally like buy everything that he had that was new in the box, hair dryers and curling irons and, you know, big baby furniture and stuff that was selling really well on Amazon. And finally he was asking me, he's like, what do you do? How do you do this? And I said, well, I sell on Amazon. And then immediately he rolls his eyes, he throws his hands up and he goes, oh, I hate Amazon. They take so many fees out of, you know, I I can't believe you even make money on Amazon. Their, Their fees are so astronomical. And I just looked at him and I said, do you know what you get for those fees though? I'm like, you get the largest traffic source of products in the universe. (laughs) You get global positioning with your products. People from Japan, China, everywhere in the whole world can buy from you because you're on Amazon. They, They warehouse your product. They box it 
package it, ship it to your customer. They take returns if your customer doesn't want that and you don't have to do the correspondence. They pick up the phone and say Amazon or they use their app and say uh, return. This doesn't fit. I don't like it. It's broken. And they handle all that to where you're not dealing with what I would call customer BS <laughs> um, all the time, every day. And so you get what you pay for with that fee. Is it high? Probably. But then like you said, no marketing, no ads, no, I mean, there are ads you can pay for on Amazon. That's a whole different show. <laughs> but those are the things that you get with that fee. So I, I trade that money for those services any day of the week because of what they provide for me that I don't have to deal with on my end. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, because I've thought about doing Amazon, but in, I didn't really understand how it worked and whatnot. But now I, I feel like I have a better grasp on it. And I think I'm going to try that out. Maybe take because you have a course, right? And, and of course, your blog and podcast. Yeah, the course, if you're brand new to Amazon and you don't have an open account, you've never sent anything that, you know, you're, you're kind of a beginner like you, Sarah, you can go to startfbatoday.com. Start FBA Today is a really inexpensive course to get started and it will walk you through setting up your business legitimately so that you have all the paperwork that Amazon's going to ask you, to setting up your account to opening your store and all the way to buying your first products, even if that's retail arbitrage at first. So there is a training in there in the course that talks about retail arbitrage and how to do that. But that also, yeah, buts that we talk about, like do this, but do it with extreme caution at first to get your feet wet, you know, because it's low risk. You can go into Target and spend, you know, $25 buying a couple of clearance items and seeing if they sell on Amazon and you're not risking a, a lot of money. So it's a good way to get started, but it's definitely not long-term because you don't want your rug pulled from under you because you sold that thing that someone said it's not authentic and you can't prove it with your cash register receipt. So we do um, advise with caution there, but like everything's in there from beginning to basically making your first sale. And so we just wanted a place for people like you to be able to even learn more about Amazon and getting your account up and rolling and seeing it's not right for everyone, but it's definitely a really great way to make even side income if that's what people want to do all the way up to, you know, seven figures like we do. So there's everywhere in between for Amazon. I think there's something for everyone there. And you also have live events too, it looks like on your website. Yeah, we we do. So I, I mean, I keep saying we, I'm trying to adjust to the me at this point. My long-term business partner, she was with me for like three and a half years with Mommy Income has just retired from Amazon. She's moving into a different space that just is better for her and what she loves. You know, some people, like I said, some people love Amazon and some people get into it and do it for a while and just be like, oh, this is not for me. I still absolutely love it. And it, it works great for our family. And so hosting live events, we do workshops all across the country where we we get into making bundles and we we do the group work and we go through, you know, this is our, our framework, which is like this 12 step process that we use to research bundles from beginning to end and decide if it, what kind of niche are you going to be in picking a catalog, picking products, vetting the ideas, validating whether it's a good bundle or not, all the way to investing price, all the way at the end where you have this bundle ready to launch by the end of the workshops. And then we usually coincide them with a trade show. So that when you, that second day of the workshop is, you know, I, I walk with people through the trade show and kind of teach them how to break the ice and speak with the vendors and try to get, you know, just starting those conversations and getting the lay of the land and how you do wholesale properly so that you know what you're talking about. You have the right lingo, you have the right questions to ask. And it really helps people just get a jump start into what they're, what they want to do and what, and how they want 
want to do wholesale in a way that feels very professional and feels very, you know, they just feel confident. And so it's the confident wholesale bundlers workshops that we do. And anywhere from Atlanta, this year we were in Dallas. Um, we have one rescheduled for Vegas. Once the country opens up again, um, we'll be able to start hosting those again. So more of a hands-on kind of walk you through the process in real time versus like taking a course and going at your own pace. For sure. And yeah, our course is actually a prerequisite for the, the workshops uh. because you need to be able to understand the process before you can actually come because there's not time even in an eight-hour day of a workshop to teach all the material that's in the Wholesale Bundles course is, you know, what you take after your start FBA today and the Wholesale Bundles course is is hours and hours of material broken down into smaller videos so that you can kind of digest a little bit at a time. And then the workshop really is kind of the more in-depth hands-on, just kind of, I can't do this alone, or I'm, I'm still not sure what I'm doing. We have a lot of people that do bundles for about a year, and then they come to the workshop, and then they have these bigger, like, aha moments, and just kind of soar to the top of their game after that, because it's something all together when you get together with a bunch of smart people in the same room and start working together, like, great things start happening. And so we see a lot of these light bulbs that go off in people once they, they come and do a workshop. So those are really fun. Well, I really appreciate your time today. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure my listeners have have as well. And is there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we hadn't gone over or maybe your recommended starting steps? So the recommended starting steps, I think would just be, you know, go to mommyincome.com and, and do the roadmap to your first sale. And so if you go to the roadmap to your first sale, you're going to get this, you know, it's like an infographic and it kind of walks you through your steps, but each one leads to the blog posts that we have that go along with that so that you can kind of read the step by steps. What I would caution you against is Googling or going to YouTube and typing Amazon FBA for beginners or something like that. And then you're going to get like 512 different versions, 512 different videos, and people get lost in what I call like the YouTube black hole. And so I would consider whether it's me or another expert that you find that tickles your fancy, that's great. But try to stick with one or two sources only because one person might be saying, oh, you should do drop shipping on Amazon. But then you'll hear someone like me say, that's against terms of service and you're going to get suspended for doing that. You know, so you want to just make sure you know the source of where of what your information is. We do have a free Facebook group and your YouTube channel and our podcasts and our it's just years and years of experience. I've been doing e-commerce since for almost almost 20 years. And so I've just, I've done eBay and Amazon for long enough to where I just want people to succeed. And I want them to follow the rules and do the right thing so that they can have a long-term business model that they could do even from anywhere in the world. And I just mix a lot of mixed things coming at you all the time. And these people and that people, it's like, just follow one person, whatever, whoever that one person is, doesn't matter. But just try to stay the course with that because you'll get a lot of mixed information out there. And so you want to try to stick to one lane for, uh, for a time and really learn the real process of, of sending inventory and things like that. So our website, mommyincome.com is a really good resource to try to find all the things. But you know, if you're into YouTube, we have a YouTube channel, podcast, and a lot of just free resources and reading and blogging, I think would really help someone get started. Well, I appreciate all your tips and pointers. And then I'll also have show notes at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash mommy income. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a true pleasure. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack 
connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.